All right, guys, today we welcome a very special guest back to the No Limits podcast. Thanks for joining us, Chris Albanese. I want to hear your thoughts on Terminal List, but I also want to hear about your very own podcast, The Crew Reviews. You are right, Mike. I am back. Uh, last time we were talking Secret Service stuff. This time we were talking uh, Terminal List with Jack Carr's fantastic debut turned into fantastic series. Uh, but you're right. I do have a, I do co-host a podcast called The Crew Reviews, uh, where we interview some of the best storytellers in the world, like Jack Carr, like Mark Rainey, like Bob Craze, Michael Connolly, uh, Andrew Lee Child. So we, we, we get to go behind the scenes and and not only are we, we fans of the genre, we're writers ourselves. So we ask questions from a writer's perspective and from a reader and a fan's perspective. Yeah, you guys are awesome. And just that list of names you read out, you get the best of the best. And your your crew is the best of the best, the guys you got on there. So, Well, I'm going to say you, you, and, uh, you and Chris aren't too shabby yourselves. <laughs> actually, actually, you guys have a fantastic podcast. A little bit more, little bit more uh, tailored to a specific topic, be it uh, Vince Flynn or Brad Thor or The Terminalist. And we actually do the reviewing. Uh, you guys, yeah. uh, you have more interviews. <laughs> I feel like it's the crew interviews. <laughs> yeah, we really don't review anything. If, any, if if we're reviewing something, it's we're reviewing the uh, the author's like body of work. We're like not just the book itself that you know maybe just coming out or had just come out, but the author's complete body of work. So we dive into some of that. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, good stuff. So check it out. Subscribe the crew reviews and find these guys on social media, especially you, Chris, where can the people uh, find you on social, both the, the podcast and, and your personal stuff. Right. For the crew reviews, just go to uh, the crew And for me, you can find me uh, at CE Albanese on Instagram, Twitter, and mostly on Twitter, Facebook as well. Nice. Good stuff. Well, we are here to talk about the terminalist. So Yes. Episodes one and two, just so the folks know, we will try our best not to spoil anything that happens beyond episode one and two or anything that happens later in the books that didn't happen here in episodes one and two. Right. Let's uh, let's first take a, a step back, a kind of well-rounded 360 degree view. Give me your first reaction to the day you were able to hit play, log into your Amazon account, sit back and see James Reese. What was that like? It was pretty cool. It was a long time in coming. We've talked to Jack R uh, several times and we've, we were talking about the adaption from, of, of his books into uh, the Chris Pratt film and to see, you know, as a writer myself, but to see one of your characters up on the screen, that is like the best of the best. And you get Chris Pratt doing it. It, he just, I don't maybe I don't know if it was because we talked to Jack Carr so many times about it, but he was just he was James Reese. Like I couldn't think of anyone else up on that screen. Like Chris Pratt was James Reese. Yeah, it's crazy how Jack knew that. You know, writing the story, he just said he had this epiphany that he wants it to be someone who's not so well established in the genre that they could take on the role, but someone ready for that next step in their career and I mean, maybe my first reaction to that announcement, I wasn't sure about Chris Pratt. You know, just he's the goofball, right? He he's Star-Lord and uh, the backup character on, you know, Parks and Rec. But 
the moment you see him on screen in this, you know, he's commanding the guys, preparing for the op, you know he's perfect. It, it just fit like a glove once you actually saw it on screen. And not only, you could tell what a versatile actor he is because um, it, when you look at Star-Lord and, you know, The Office or Jurassic World or Dominion, the movie that just came out, he's a completely different character as James Reese. And you can see it in his face and there's so much depth in his eyes. And it, and it was one of the things I noticed in the first couple of episodes because I actually have not watched past. I wanted to talk to you guys first, um, episodes one and two. I actually haven't watched past episode two. But there was so much depth and emotion conveyed in Chris Pratt with just his eyes. And it was it was very compelling to see him as an actor, knowing all the other work that he's done, to see that come out. And I was impressed. Yeah. And it wasn't just the stuff in that opening scene, which, man, I want to get your take on specifically someone, you know, who's well-trained in, you know, def- in security, defense, being a Secret Service agent your whole career. But... um and actually how guns are handled, right? In all the scenes, you know, right. obviously it's Jack yeah. Carr, right? We're, we're, you're going to get the gun enthusiast. That's that's your, your primary crew. He also got, like you were saying, through his eyes, the the family connections. Anytime he's with Lauren and Lucy, you completely buy into that role of him as a father, but also dealing with, you know, his job and, and what's on his shoulders. And you're so right. Just And, and eyes play a big role in episode two. We're going to get there later. He can even... Uh, see his uh, assailant's eyes when he's fighting him. And that's going to be a big clue. Right. So yeah. that's interesting. You picked up yep. on that acting through your eyes. It's, it's a huge thing. I, I, I was so impressed with it. Uh, but I, I, I would tell you just overall, the first two episodes, I just want to give just this brief, just this brief feeling I had with, with just, and then we can get into the nitty gritty, but the overall feeling I had, and now I have read all of the books, right? So I know what happens. I know where the end is. I know the end game. Like I know the story arc, but I got to tell you the way that the script was written, even knowing what's going to happen, I was still questioning because there were some, there were some changes to the story in the script. Um, I was questioning what the hell was going on. Like, is it, is it going to end the way that the books, is it going to go in that direction of the books or is there, is it, uh, not to not to be too spoilers, but is there is there is there something going on with his mental capacity where is not right, real and it's all just made up? And I was like, holy crap, they did that so well. The uh, I was just blown away by that part. Yeah, I still don't know if Boozer was at the bar with him or Boozer was on the plane with him. Like I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I don't think he was. I think his bell had been rung really really bad uh in the in the in those tunnels and he was just seeing shit because i think at one point one of the ncis investigators says that you're like no he came home two days prior to you yeah i mean i was thinking that but then i'm like couldn't josh holder the ncis agent just have altered the documents isn't that isn't there also a pattern of these guys you know kind of covering something up and we know from the books, Josh Holder is definitely one of the main bad guys caught up in the in this cabal of people manipulating the record, trying to get what they want. So I don't know. I, I'm still torn right. on that, even though you're right. The record did say, no, you're wrong, Reese. Like, this is wrong in your head. You're messed up. I, I still question it. I know we're I, I jump, jumping ahead, but uh, <laughs> the very last, let's go back. We'll get back to it, but I want to mention something. The, the very last scene 
one of the last, very last scenes of, of episode two. But let's go back. Let's just start at the beginning. Let's start at episode episode one in the beginning where James Reese is, is they're doing a pre-op and they have all the information of their target. And in the, in the books, it's, it's different than the adaptation to the screen um, where in the books it's, it's on a mountaintop in Afghanistan right. and in the television series, it's, it's, it's Syria and it's these tunnels underneath this secure compound. Um, and they send in these, the, they send in the SEAL teams Two, two, I think I think it was two fire teams. I think there were two teams of eight. Mm-hmm. And what I what what I thought was pretty cool is they brought the EOD guys in, and you could see the the EOD guy with his dog, his hand. Right. You can see the handler with the dog, and it's muzzled. But you know that's a bomb dog. And and they even mentioned the EOD. And for people who aren't familiar, EOD is explosive ordnance. Those are the guys who do the find and function, right? They're the ones who go and find the bombs, find the trip wires, which come into play in the beginning of that, of episode one, because that, that tunnel is completely wired with syntax. It's going to, it just, it's a scary thing for those operators to be going through that tunnel. Right. First of all, they, you know, there's bad guys all around, but to know it's wired yeah. right above your head. It could explode at any moment. Let me ask you, you're talking about the EOD and having the dog and they find the tripwire. I've heard, and this was a ridiculous and in case, Nobody heard my first reaction. And, and Chris, if you didn't, I did a 10 minute reaction the minute I turned off the first couple episodes and I just got some, some thoughts out and I ended up by saying the critics can go scratch. I'm sick of some of these headlines that are ripping it apart on Rotten Tomatoes, a 34%, a rating of 4.5 out of 10. Now, granted, I haven't seen the whole show, but based on where I'm out and viewing it after two episodes. No way. No way. And one of those reviews, it was one of these Hollywood media, you know, blog outlets, you know, the mainstream outlets, right? There's too much military jargon. You will not enjoy the show if you're someone who gets confused by contact rear or, uh, you know, something like a QRF team. And I'm just like, there's no way you're giving it a bad review because you think it's too technical and it's not even that technical. I'm just a thriller uh, reader, right? No background right. at all in anything to do with any of these domains. And I could follow it perfectly. And just reading thrillers, I can pick up on so many of the terms they used. And I want them to be as authentic as possible. And this is probably one of the best film scenes that is most authentic, knowing that Jack Carr and all of his buddies were involved. Yet some of these mainstream media outlets are reporting that that's a negative of the show. So do you like this realism and how authentic it is, especially on that opening scene with the ops? I love it. Yeah, that's that's what I want. Exactly. That's why I'm that's why I'm tuning in. That's the audience that is tuning into this show. Right. People who I it's what I don't get is people are the readers of these books, people who watch those type of shows are savvy enough that if they don't know what a QRF is or a contact rear, by the context of it and look and watching the films. Yes. And watching the cinematography, which I thought was fantastic, you you can you're able to pick up on that stuff. Like, oh, oh, I get it. There, you know, there's an attack going on behind them, or you know, the the uh, the Marines are coming. Like, you'll be able to get that. I thought those were, and I didn't. I purposely did not look at at those reviews. I did hear some chatter uh, on on Facebook and, and some of the groups for the terminal list about that stuff, and I was just like, well. Well, I'm not going to let someone like that tell me whether the show is good or not. I'm going to 
see it for myself. Absolutely not. And make it I mean, it's it's so ridiculous. You want to hear how ridiculous this is? The critic score is 34% on Rotten Tomatoes. The audience score, 92%. And, <laughs> and, here's, and, and I only care about the people score, right? The people, right. like Jack's writing the books and Antoine Fuqua's directing the show for the people, right? For the people who want it. You're right. not, I'm thank goodness they're not writing it for the critics. One review even said, oh, there's no way Chris Pratt or anyone's going to get an Emmy for this one. And to me, it's not why you tell a story. That's not why you become a writer. You know, that's not why you become a screenwriter. You, you do it to have a product that people enjoy, that entertains them, that they want to spend time with. They want to invest time in. And the critics, they, they can go screw themselves. Here's another part of that narrative. Most popular TV right now. Terminalist is in the first place with 34% from the critics. And everything else on the list is 91, 98, 85%. How is this the most popular show on TV? At 34% critic rating and everything else, quote, popular on TV has a 90 or 80% critic rating. There's a narrative here, isn't there? Always, dude. Law enforcement, military, I think right now just get a bad rap. Right. Don't you think? Don't you think? And they're just looking for excuses, looking for ways of, of, of just knocking stuff, knocking books or movies or TV series, just knocking it down a notch. But – you know, look at that, that, that number so jarring, the disconnect between the audience and the critics. I, I think uh, critics look at start. Maverick, look at Maverick. You make an unabashedly pro American military movie that throws back to the eighties. You do it with respect. Right. You do it with reverence and it becomes, you know, one of the top, what is the fifth highest grossing movie or, or something like that. During a time when movies aren't really making any money in the theaters. Yeah. Right. I hope Hollywood and I hope all the elitists learn from both what the Terminalist is doing, what Chris Pratt is doing, what movies like Top Gun Maverick did that you don't need to push your agenda on someone through your storytelling. You tell the best story for the people who are investing their time in that entertainment. And if you tell it well, if you shoot it clean, that's what's going to win. It shouldn't be about Emmys, awards, and good write-ups from you know HollywoodReporter.com. Mike, I don't even think... The journalist doesn't have an agenda. The agenda is to tell exactly. a compelling story that uh, tr- you know sucks people in, sucks the reader in, sucks the viewer in, and and gets them um, attached to the character. Exactly, exactly. All right, I'm going to get off my high horse on this because I <laughs> I want to get your take on some of the other scenes. So I'll let you choose who who you want to run with here. We've got Lauren, Lucy, Ben, Katie. Who for you was hitting out of the park? Of those characters, well, Lauren and Lucy—they they get a lim- limited um, exposure time on on the screen. I would tell you, I, I took a couple of notes because I knew you and I were gonna we were gonna talk about this. I took a couple of notes of of my emotions, my as as if you were watching it. And so when 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 James Reese returns states, he returns stateside. He actually mm-hmm. he doesn't go home right away; sees Ben. But when he does come home, I got choked up when. When Lauren hugs Reese, yeah, and there was just so much emotion. There was hardly any words, but there was just so much emotion in that connection between the two. Because you know, as a military wife, she knew all those families. She knew the the the, the spouses, the girlfriends, the mothers, the fathers, the children right. of the of those operators that were killed on that op. 
And there were Reese's men, like he was in charge of all that. So she knows the burden he's going, he's going to hold within himself. And I got choked up on, on watching that. So I thought she was a fantastic actress character for that. I thought the connection between James and, and, and his daughter was, was really amazing. I got to tell you, when, when he shows back up and sees them both, you see, you see legs at first when, when they've been murdered. And then he sees their bodies and he just sits there and he just, here's a man who has all of these capabilities, right? He, he is the tip of the spear and there's, he, there's nothing he can do whatsoever. Zero. Um, and he's completely lost there. Yeah. I was just going to say, when I read that in the book, I can remember how hard it hit me. And it was so, so deep. I, I wasn't sure how that would translate on screen, right? And Chris Pratt's reaction when he gets home, and even on his way home, is building so much tension that you could just see how broken he is. I, I thought it was probably the clearest point where the show got out of me exactly what the book got out of me my first time reading it that that scene and i wasn't sure if they would do it time was running out right on the episode and i'm thinking this is like the book kicks off with this just a couple of chapters in it's such a defining moment in everything we know about reese and his arc and episode one time was ticking away i i was kind of sitting there thinking are they going to show it and are they going to do it because Lucy yeah. and Lauren are slated for all eight episodes, the actresses. So I'm thinking, are they going to change the story that much? And then, no, they hit you with it. And Chris Pratt brings out so much emotion. You're absolutely right. That scene was powerful. It was crazy. You know, it was one thing that I wish they had shown. Um, in, the, in, the, in the book, the police, officer, police officers show up. They're doing the crime scene. And one of the detectives... Yeah. He's looking at all the books on the bookshelves for James Reese. And he mentions the book of five rings. I, you know, that, that's, um, it's a, a, I think it's a Japanese, uh, like warrior type book. And I had never read it before. Yep. Uh, and I specifically purchased it because it was in that, in the oh, terminal wow. list. And then I read it afterwards. I was, I was hoping that they would show that because it just shows you that the, like, you know, he's capable, yeah. you know, James Reese yeah. is but it just shows an extra layer of depth when the guy, when the police officers are like, holy shit, look at all these books. Yeah. Like I'd hate to be on this guy's list. Um, and I thought that would, that would have been pretty cool. They didn't show that, but that, and that's, you fun. know, though I, I see, I think there's a parallel because that was a cool scene in the book and it was just a couple of lines, if I recall, but yeah. the cop looking at James Reese's house taught him and taught us the audience so much about who Reese was as a student of war, not just a warrior, but a scholar, you know, of warfare. Right. And here I actually got that. It was kind of like they updated and replaced it with how Reese has been tracking Kahani. You know, you kind of learn these little tidbits that it's been what I think since 2018, he said four years, his team has been collecting everything they can and trying to get this chemical warfare engineer working for Syria and Iran. So yeah, I feel like little tidbits like that taught me about the background of the TV show, Reese, that he is also on this track or on this this one path that he is putting everything into the same way the Reese house in the book taught you about the character. They kind of replaced that yeah. here with what his troop has been doing for four years. 
pretty cool. And then, and then you, you know, you get a when he's talking to um. Well, anyway, we'll, we'll, let, let, let's let's move yeah. on. Let's talk I was going to say Katie. I want to say I want to hear your thoughts on Katie because again, changed a few things from the book. Not just the the physical characteristics of who she is, which is secondary, but it's more Katie seeking out Reese because she wants the story of how overexhaustion or, or mental health and our people on the front lines are maybe not being fully supported. So she's kind of like an investigator right. who wants to uncover some truths and, and ultimately help people. Right. In the in the book, Reese really links up with her as an old friend and goes to her to help him. So what do you think about the role that Katie's playing in the TV show? I, I liked it um, because you don't know who to trust. Right. And as you're watching it, you don't know, you don't know really her motive. You, you don't know the NCIS's motive. You don't know the general's motive, the, se- the secretary of, of the Navy's motive. Like you just, you, you're, you're just questioning everything. And Greg Hurwitz, who's a fantastic writer, what actually one of my favorites, he makes a really cool, he made a really cool statement when we spoke to him. Um, and he, and he, he said, you want readers or, or people who are watching the show to be confused, curious, right? That's where you're striving for. Like what's going on? Not, not so much confused, like confused, angry. You definitely sure. don't want your readers or people watching the show confused, angry. You want confused, curious, like what's their, I'm, I'm confused. Like what are their motives? Is it, is it, do they want, are they seeking fame and fortune? Or are they really looking for the truth? Or, you know, what, what else is going to come down the line? What else is coming around the corner? Um, so I thought I thought she was I thought she was cast really well, and I liked the different perspective of her. I really liked the interaction between her and James when he's like, "Turn off your phone, use this. Yeah. Here's my, you know, everything else is compromised. Just speak to me. You know, it's, you will communicate through this specific app." And then you know, some of that stuff is in the book yeah. as well. I really like that interaction because you can see that team, that dynamic is actually going to start to gel. I will say that one caught me a little off guard because while it's in the book, I don't know if that's where Reese is at yet with his relationship with Katie investigating this thing. He kind of in that scene, like cranks it up on the conspiracy, uh, you know, theory kind of thing. But uh, that plays into what they're doing with the story because they're going with, is his mind twisted? Is he going down a rabbit hole? Is he seeing and hearing things? Well, that's the kind of moment where you as the audience are forced to say like, no, that makes sense. They got to watch their tracks because someone's after them. Or you have to say, maybe he's batshit crazy. That paranoia is, as you said, you know, it's at 11. And and for the investigative reporter, it's kind of like, okay, should we be at 11? Or are you the guy? Like, what's going on here? You're, You're a little crazy. You know, all these murders have happened. There's no body at that MRI place. Um, there's no, you know, you know, your, your, your weapon and all that stuff. Right. Like, like there were some strange things going on. So you really don't know. And I got to tell you, I was questioning his mental state because of, because of, you know, him coming back and, and then at the very end, I still was questioning cause he was looking for that knife. Yes. 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 In, yes. um, in episode two. In holder's arm. And I, and I was just like, what the, and it wasn't there. And I was like, oh my gosh. And then it was in the, the very, very end of that episode, you, as a, as a viewer, you get some like, ah, that's part of that confusion, that. right? Like right. we're confused. Is Reese crazy and seeing things? Did he really fight the two guys at the MR, MRI machine in the doctor's office? Well, if Holder's right. arm doesn't have it, is he wrong about seeing the assassin's eyes? 
or was there truly another guy? You know, because that's Reese's conclusion is, all right, maybe you weren't the guy I fought, but there's another person in this conspiracy. And, and we don't know. And I got to tell you, as as someone who would, who would who has read all the books, mm-hmm. right? I like I liked it because it added an element of not just not confusion, yeah. but questions, questions that I wanted answered. And as, a, as an author, you want people to turn the next page, yep. right? Or to watch the next episode. And it compelled me, even though I had read the stories and I knew what was going to happen, it compelled me to watch the next episode because I was like, I want to see where they go with this. This is interesting. I like this take. So true. And you know, on the artistic creative side of things, we're getting weaved throughout some of these scenes, the funeral montages and that, that the way they repeated it and how secretary Hartley can say the same line with such casualness over and over and over again. It's like she's repeating it and then slamming the trident into the the coffin and the music playing that kind of adds to the narrative is all of this building up to make Reese crazy, right? Or mm-hmm. is he onto something that it's almost like an orchestra conducting this whole thing and he's seeing the individual players and he's starting to put them together and say, oh, they're all playing in sync. So something deeper is going on here. I thought weaving in the funeral montages continues that mystery of is he crazy and all this PTSD is kind of building up in him. And also the flashback with the bird hitting the window, which pays off in episode two. They're yes. really tricking yeah. us. Can we trust Reese? Is he a reliable narrator or not? I, and you got to watch to find out. Yeah, you do. I mean, even with the uh, uh, Lucy's uh, drawing of her family yes. with Reese, and, and and he's just like, "That's great. You're getting really good." And she's like, "You're silly. I showed this to you before you left." And, and Reese was like, "Holy I, shit! I don't even know." And then that creepy scene where he sees himself on the bed looking at the picture. Like, right. did that happen? Did he see the picture right. before he deployed? And also when he's listening to music and he's in like the uh, sunroom or room in the house and he comes to because he just had a flash of him holding his weapon, his own weapon in the EM, uh, the MRI place yes. to his head. And you're just like, what the F is going on? And like, I've read the books. I'm like, what's going yeah. on? And that is just really cool storytelling that makes the TV show fun for people who read the books. So I'm glad it's, I know everything that happens in the Reese storyline of the books, yet I'm still like right. a novice or a beginner watching the TV show, even though it's giving so much respect to the universe, to the characters. It, it's respecting right. it. It's building on it, but it's still giving us something to to need to keep going and figure out. I, I honestly think there was a fantastic choice of adding that psychological yes. element to it uh, to go to, to go with the story. Um, as opposed to just strictly adhering to the terminal list book, which would have been great as well. It would have been sure, fantastic. Sure. But I think this, this adds adds a little bit more depth to it uh, for television, yeah. which and it works fantastic. Like the like the cinematography, the whatever lens they're shooting that through, right. just looks really cool and adds to that mysterious, like paranormal, yeah. psychological, like what's happening, what's going on, and they and they they capture that the lens of the camera whatever whatever they're shooting it through it's, it just looks really and it's cool. gritty it's dark and gritty the yes. creative yeah. cinematography choices mirror very well the storyline adaptations that they created for for the show that aren't necessarily in the book they really 
go hand in hand, which is one reason why you think the critics would like it if they didn't have a narrative. But I'm going to table that for now. We've been down that path. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're kind of doing two things. We're, we're getting towards episode two. So I do want to wrap up getting your thoughts on that. And since we're mentioning the book a lot, how cool was it that I would say almost one to one, exactly like it was in the book, Reese sneaking into Josh Holder's apartment. It was so oh, cool that. to see that to see that episode. I uh, see to see that scene where he's walking through, and snapping the photos yes. of the door handles, the keep the, the locks, so we can go work on that later. Um, asking the questions, the room number, seeing the beach, seeing the access, the bike path, run path, like seeing all that stuff visually now instead of just in my head. I loved it, and the conversation he was having with the the real estate yes. woman who was showing. Join in the house as well. I thought I'm like, dude, Reese, Chris Pratt switched on a dime. And it was so cool to see that. Like he was so focused on the mission. Yes. But when he, when he interact with the, with the woman showing him that the, the apartment, he was a totally different person. And I love seeing that, that, that switch immediately. Dude, I, I thought the exact same thing when he was touring that apartment building. I mean, you think he's like, some San Diego suave businessman, banker or something. I'm like, how are you doing this days after you went through all that trauma? And the thing is, and this happened in the book, he did it out of necessity. That was step one in his plan to find out who's behind this. And guess what? His training kicks in. I'm going to do whatever it takes to adapt to the situation. And in this situation, he needed to get into the apartment and he did what it took. And yet he flipped that switch as an actor. Like that was incredible. I loved it. And it was so cool. Um, you know, go, going forward a little bit where he's got the lock in a vice on his workbench yes. in the garage and he's, and he's working at it. He's waiting. You know, he doesn't get it right away and he's working at it. And then, and then it just it clicks. clicks. Right. And I was like, Oh man, like my man's going in that apartment and I knew he was going in the apartment. Yeah. I'm like, but this is going to be so cool to see him do that. And what's awesome is we got another name, which is definitely a name for the list. Saul Agnan, when he's torturing Josh Holder, Holder gives up Saul Agnan as a name. So I I, I think that's got to be where episode three takes us. Dude, dude I got to tell you, when, until he said that name, when he's yeah. like, let me sh- show me your arms, your other arm. And I was like, dude, I'm like, no, it's not. It. I'm like, maybe Reese is wrong. It. Is he wrong? Is he crazy? Yeah, he's wrong. I'm like, maybe there's something else going on. And then at the very end where he, he finally says that name and I was like, holy shit. Everybody breaks, right? And then, and then, um, and then uh, dude, by the way, that, that contact shot. Oh, because he, with the way he turned around, the way James Reese, Chris Pratt tilts his yes. hand, right? It's still, the weapon is still close to his chest, right? So he turns, it was just a cool move. It was such a cool move. Yeah. The way he turns and shoots oh, upward, right through the chin, right, right through, and then the brain splatter on on the back of the wall. It was, <sighs> it was gruesome, but at the same time, very satisfying. Oh, so satisfying! It caught you off guard too, because it was in the middle of kind of that battle, and then boom, he just kind of right. does it out of necessity. There was no hesitation None. whatsoever. There was no hesitation. It was boom. But let's take a step back. I, 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 this was this was a cool thing. So he's inside the apartment before, right where he's scoping everything out where he gets the computer. And I love the fact that they showed it him take a photo 
of where, because he's going to manipulate this laptop. Yes. He takes a photo of exactly where it is before he touches anything, then does his thing, downloads it, looks at the photo he had taken so he can put everything right. back to where it was. It was so meticulous, so on mission. It was so James Reese. Did you notice there was some sort of tech there? I thought, okay, he took a picture so he can memorize and, and match it up. But whatever he had on his phone, actually it was red in a frame. And until he inched the laptop into the pitch perfect spot it should be, it clicked green. And that's when he knew it was good. Yep. Like there was definitely some software tech there that I wonder if Jack created or, or one of the writers created, or if that's something he's he's seen or used. I thought that was pretty cool. That is some cool stuff. That is some cool tradecraft. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it was awesome to see that. I I really liked it. Like picking out those little things like, oh, yeah, right. these guys know what they're doing. Right. You got some really good advisors. There's a lot of things like that that are going to need a second and third rewatch to pick up on. I'm sure that's just one of many uh, Easter eggs like that that we didn't even right. see. Yep. Here's another scene, kind of a quick one. We don't have to spend too much time, but it's – analogous to something I loved in the books. Not going to say it's exactly like it because it might still be coming, Mm -hmm. but Commander Cox. When he says, since we're talking freely, not Commander Cox, it was um, the Admiral. 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 In the book, it's Pilsner, right? Or Mm -hmm. Admiral Pills. Yeah. Yeah, But the Admiral says, you know, since we're talking freely, you couldn't protect your men nor your family. And Reese puts them up against a wall. Right. In the book, I think he he punches them. Punches his lights out. Yeah. This, this one chokes him out. I thought, I mean, if you're going to hate a character, they, you like, as a reader, I hated that character. As a guy watching the television show, I hated that character. The moment he said, and when you're on base, lose the five o'clock shot up. Oh, yeah. I was like, you are a fucking douchebag. <laughs> like, really? That's what, we're, that's what we're worried about. Listen, I get all that. And you're his commit. The guy just lost his entire team. Like, and that's what we're saying. That's what that's what you care you know about. that line like I get it that line's got to come from Jack knowing how the chain of command works and the kind of crap that you're going to hear from commanding officers who just sit in an office I get it has to be something so that's that's what happens when you reach that level in in management not, not just in the military but in or law enforcement you forget what it's like to be in the trenches yes. and and you're in that ivory tower yeah. And it's the little things that pish, like bother you and you dwell on and you focus on instead of the larger picture. Instead of, instead of doing what, what needs to be done to take care of your men, you're, you're worried about this piece of paper or this regulation. In the grand scheme of everything, it really doesn't mean jack shit. A little bit different, speaking military chain of command, but another position that often gets that mentality is the secretary of defense. Once you go politician or the political game, you also have some different stakeholders that you have to please. So I don't want to say too much here. So let's be careful. But how are you feeling about secretary Hartley of the TV show? She seems to offer Reese whatever he needs or his men need in coming home and, you know, taking care of their families. She doesn't send him on the Kahani op. He has to go and she says, you'll be the first one to know. But she doesn't tell him in time. He finds out on the news in the bar. So, how are you feeling about her? Well, uh, it, it's difficult. It's difficult to separate what we know from the story from right. the book. We can't say too um, much. Yeah, um, I, in the beginning, it, it feels very genuine, yeah. right? And then it doesn't feel genuine. 
And then I'm just like, what, what happened in that, in that space? And the other thing is you're meeting him in the bar to let him hear it from Katie. I think it's a Katie Pavlich uh, from Fox news yeah. uh, who, who I always envisioned as is the role of the reporter. As Katie. The uh, yeah. I always thought of Katie Pavlich knowing she's friends with Jack as, as Katie Burnick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's, that's who I always like in my mental, in my head, I envision, uh, but you know, that's, that doesn't make a difference. But for having to hear that news in that bar with all, like such a slight, I was like, why would it's you sleazy. do it that way? And it's after she promised yeah. you'll be the first to know. All those phones buzzing to right. me, they they chose with the audio to have the phones buzzing very front and center. And to me, that was a direct callback to her promising you'll be the first to know. And like, bullshit, like you're one of the last to know. The rest of the world heard this breaking news before you. Yeah, before you, now it's on um, you know, Fox news and that's how you're getting yeah. and, you know, tough luck and move on. So much right? for you're the first to know, you know, I'll, I'll make, I'll take care of it. Yeah. Okay. Nah, I don't, I don't like her. I don't like Admiral. I don't like secretary of the Navy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's wrap up with this. I, I don't want to take too much of your time here, but one other thing I think we'd be amiss to skip over is the soundtrack. This show is scored so perfectly and, with War Pigs, which from Black Sabbath was in the trailer. When that song hit, I loved right. it. And we also get Mississippi Twilight, that trigger song. That was the opening intro. I thought that was a cool montage to open the show on episode two. I don't know who they're who who's doing it, who's picking the music. I don't know if, if Jack Horace got some input on yeah. it, but it it sets the mood. Like I I always tell my kids when we're when we're watching the, the shows. Imagine the movie or the TV show we're watching with no music, mm. right? And it's completely different. You can just have people talking or an action scene or something. But if there's no music, there's so much. Of, we were talking about characters and, and you, like James Reese, Chris Pratt. You see the emotion in his eyes and actors. But there's so much emotion and information conveyed in the choice of the song, in the score, the music, just in the, in the background yep. that – viewers the sight the sounds the smells it you get it all and it could just be triggered by the music i thought it's extremely well done and i'm glad we get to see that opening intro six more times in the other episodes because it too had a lot of little easter eggs in uh in what it showed so maybe um chris and i will have to do a whole episode on just that that intro and a lot of the objects that they're showing on it dude you, you totally can do that but here's my thing Knowing what we know is in the story. And I know eight eight episodes seems to be like the the sweet spot for these types of shows. Can they really get all of this in just eight episodes? I was going back and forth and and I've even I think it was Jack, maybe someone else who posted it was filmed with the idea of being an eight hour long movie. And so far I feel like I just watched the first act of a movie, not even the full first act of a movie. So two hours in, and I don't even feel like we're anywhere near act one being done. That's, that's no, a big feat. No, that, no. that means I could take as much more of this as you want to make. I we'll see if eight, eight episodes is going to be that sweet spot of, of how long it takes. Hey, Mike, let me ask you, um, when he, when James Reese is in his workshop and I don't know if you were looking at all the stuff that was hanging I saw the, the tomahawks the tomahawks and all the yeah. other things I was looking at that and I'm like their set designs 
are well done and very meticulous and there's attention to detail yeah. not just in in the dialogue not just in the action scenes where the 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 operators are holding their weapons properly the fight scenes but the attention to the little things like I, I love that. I loved all that stuff. There was so much realism to it, even though it's a work of yeah. fiction. There was so much realism to it, and I, that that is something I created when watching it. Show absolutely. Like this. I mean, and the Land Cruiser, right? You got the you had to get the car. No, right? yeah, I bet that was part of the deal. All, that's all. Jack, Jack was like, "I'm not selling the rights to the show. I'm not putting ink on paper unless we get this exact Land Cruiser in the show." Then <laughs> even says something like, "You know, you're doing surveillance. You got way too close with that that yeah, big yeah. beast of a vehicle you got." Goes, "No, no, I didn't." Even Ben knew it. Yeah, Ben Edwards, even though you can't go around in that car if you're doing recon and surveillance and stuff. Yeah. By the way, did you see did you see the tattoos on Ben's hands on his nose? Oh, you know what? I saw it flash by. I didn't catch it. I meant to freeze frame it and go back. What was it? Hold fast. Ooh. Pretty cool. Yeah, I I bet there's a ton of stuff. I think I'm gonna do some maybe that's another episode. Uh, we do some freeze frames frame by frame. Yeah. Yeah, you get a quick glimpse of it while he's driving his, his, you know, his hands on the steering wheel. And I, and I don't know if it's when he picks him up from the airport or at a different point. Yeah. Um, I, I saw that. I was like, man, that's really cool. Yeah. Another great actor, by the way. Let's see. Is there anything we're – oh, I guess one last thing we're, we're kind of missing. And if there's anything you saw you want to shout out, we've got Saul Agnon as a name drop. But for people who don't know the rest of the story, we got Marco was a character, friend of – James Reese sitting around the fire, you know, he was surrounded right. by friends. Yeah. Liz was there. So just another name to look forward to. And I nearly jumped out of my seat with this one. Captain Howard was at Boozer's house. Captain Howard was the first one to try to intercept Reese as he was going in to see Boozer. And uh, Captain Howard was also there at his side. You know, they were talking outside of uh, on Coronado Beach and then they were at the Admiral's office. So Captain Howard Liz, Marco, Ben Edwards, we didn't even get to talk about. I'm so glad all this cast of characters is is shown really just in, in, in episode one and two. We're already getting all these people who are going to come later on. By the way, such, such great casting, yes. I think, for Ben Edwards with Taylor, Taylor Kitsch. Taylor yep. Kitsch, yeah. I thought that was fantastic. And even uh, Lauren. Yep. Who's Riley Keough? That's uh, Elvis's uh, granddaughter, Lisa Marie right. Presley's daughter. Yeah, fantastic. She was fantastic. Yeah, 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 thought, yeah. Even though even just in the short, the short uh, time that she had on the screen, and I, and I'm assuming we're going to get a bunch of flashbacks yep. uh, going forward in the next couple of episodes. Um, but dude, I, I I'm hooked. Not just because I love the terminal list, but but I think they've done a fantastic job, and I knew they were going to do a fantastic right. job considering all the people that were involved in making this on the first two episodes. Yes, 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 yes. I mean, just how they balanced doing respect to the book and making sure Jack's vision for the universe is present and welcoming him on set and being the executive producer to really make sure it's there. But also it created a whole new storyline. A lot of this is a new storyline that I'm excited to follow. So it's a perfect balance that can bring new people in it can get the old readers hooked and bring them back in to want to revisit it. It's just really, really well done. So I feel like it's a theme. The critics can go scratch. That's going to be the theme of of the pod. (laughs) Chris, thanks for joining us and people can find you on the crew reviews. We did some reviewing here. How did it feel to actually do some reviewing? Wow. It's kind of natural. (laughs) No, 
Uh, I, listen, I always I love the opportunity to come and talk to you guys. It's my second time talking on the show. I know Chris Chris is in here, but I get to talk to you, Mike. So that's yeah. Awesome. Hopefully, we'll have you back sometime. And Chris, the other Chris, will be joining us, and we can get everybody together. But thanks so much. It's been a blast. The next few episodes, we'll be covering them later on this week. Hopefully, just a couple of days. Episodes three and four next on No Limits, and check out the crew reviews. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Appreciate it.